0: Today's uh, scripture reading will be on uh, in your uh, Bible by the pew. It'll be on page uh, one thousand eight hundred and thirty-four. And if uh, you can either use the Bible in front of your pew, or uh, if you brought your own, that's great. And uh, there's also a Bible app that you could get if you can't always take your phone or take your Bible anywhere. You can put that on your phone. Page at one thousand eight hundred and thirty-four. Be Colossians three one through seventeen. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as to, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in good, whether in word or deed. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. May God bless the reading of His Word.
1: Everybody get it right today? <laughs> all right, had a couple. Welcome back to uh, United States of America as we've been in this series looking at basically how to be a Christian in America and uh, what, it all, what all does that entail in, in a society that uh, you know has become increasingly divided politically, racially, you name it. Uh, a, a society that, ha- you know, is going through an election process like we are, that the whole world looking on and scratching their heads as much as we are. Uh, boy, what, how do you live in America in such a time as these? And we've talked about some of that, and we're going to kind of really engage culture over the last two weeks of this of this series as we kind of wrap things up here. Uh, we're going to look at American culture. We're going to just take a, a hard look at it and see... Is it affecting us in some way? Is there, are there ways that we need to be, you know, are the things we need to be aware of and guarded against in our culture if we're going to really live as Christ followers first and, and Americans second? And so that's kind of where we're headed. And, uh, you know, today we're talking about American idols, not the TV show where they punish you with terrible singing for a few episodes before you get to the good stuff. Uh, not that one, but just the real ones, the... The idols in our culture, you know, um, a lot of times we use the term idol to talk about a person or a celebrity, you know, or a great singer, and sometimes they really are idols to a lot of people, but idols are really, as we're going to see, you know, just counterfeit gods, anything that we place in God's place, and our culture places a lot of things in God's place, I think as we'll look at it, we'll see that, And, and I know you're, many of you are already more than aware of that in your own lives. Now, I believe that idols, especially these American idols, are a lot like weeds. In your yard, you know, maybe you have a lot of weeds, or maybe you have one of those perfectly immaculate yards, and, uh, and you don't have to worry about that, and all you have to worry about is a neighbor like me that has weeds in my yard. <laughs> so, uh, but but we, we know about weeds down here in Louisiana, don't we? We get a lot of them, and they're, they're kind of hard to get rid of. They're almost, you might say, impossible to get rid of. They're just, there's so many of them. No matter what you do, I mean, you can spray Roundup, they come back, right? You can can put down that plastic stuff. You ever tried that? You know, it works great for a month. (laughs) And then they find some little tear, or they find an edge, or they just make a tear, and here they come. Back again. There is no way to stop them. You could clear out, I'm convinced, you could clear out a mile all around you. Clear of weeds. I mean, just get a 50-gallon drum of Roundup and just douse the whole thing. You know, it might take more than that, but you just douse it all mile around you. You're safe. No weeds in sight. And some bird is going to come from somewhere some, from somewhere else and and drop some weed seed right in your little clear spot. It's just they find a way, don't they? They creep in. To our, and just like that example where if you have the, the perfect yard and your neighbor doesn't, it doesn't take much just one little spot that kind of dies back or, or drought, you know, like we're having this month and, and boy, the weeds from your neighbor's yard can just start piling into your yard it's a constant battle and, but unlike weeds oftentimes idols, especially the idols of our culture that are so popular are made to appear so attractive you, it's, not, it's like you know, we're, we're bringing them in and planting them ourselves because the culture makes it look so inviting. You know, They put it on billboards. They put it in advertisements. We, it looks good. It looks like it's going to provide happiness in our life if we just have it. And so there's a lot at stake today as we talk about this because I believe uh, no matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're you know, still in school or whether you're in a career and have a family or whether you're kind of retired and living in that section of life, no matter what section of life, those idols in our culture, the American idols, will threaten to steal your peace and your joy. And that's maybe ironic because that's what they promise. But we know from experience it doesn't work that way. You know, they tell us, well... If you just, you know, especially ladies, they tell you, if you, you know, just find the right makeup, you need this, this makeup, This, not you've been using the cheap stuff at Walmart, I know it, you need to go to a good place, get some good stuff, and, and if you do that, and then maybe find the right hairstyle, lose a few pounds, then you're going to be happy with yourself. And so you do all those step one, step two, step three, and you look in the mirror and you say, well, maybe this wasn't the right hairstyle. <laughs> Maybe just a couple more pounds. And and so you go again, and then it's just, it never ends, does it? It's just this cycle. It promises something, you get there, and you have to go even further. And the same thing with, uh, you know, guys are promising, you know, get the truck. Get the, get the new gun, get the pretty girl, and, and your life's going to be happy. But then, you know, you find, well, this truck is better. it will trade this truck in for that truck. Um, get another gun, because one gun's not enough. And uh, find a prettier girl, and then we'll be happy. And the, it, again, just, it never quite delivers what it promises. It just says, well, you need a little more. You need a little more. We, you know, we do the same thing with our education and our careers got to get all A's, we got to, you know, we got to get the career that matters, we got to work up the corporate ladder, but at no point do you ever stop and say, now I have found the happiness, this is it, I'm just going to coast from here on out, no, there's always more, it never delivers what it promises, and so it is with every idol in America, they promise something they can't deliver, and so we keep on pulling the weeds, pulling the weeds. And the weeds keep cropping back up. So what we can't just, surely that's not what Jesus envisioned for our lives. Surely it's not just this never-ending life of pulling weeds and then they come back and you pull them again. Surely there's a better way. Surely there is some kind of way that we can find the peace and joy that is promised by America's idols but they never quite deliver. And that's the subject that we're talking about today. And we're going to look at a letter written from the Apostle Paul to the church in Colossa that's... Colossians chapter three that we read just a few moments ago. And we're going to pull out some specific verses from that. We'll put them on the screen and, and we can just kind of dive into his advice on this topic. Because he gets right into it. First he reminds us, it's this kind of a recurring thing of what we've already been talking about in this series. The apostles say it time and again in different ways. You've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. They say it a hundred ways. You died to your old way. live to Christ's way. They say it, They say, as we've talked about in this series, you know that your citizenship has been transferred from the kingdoms of this world into Christ's kingdom. So start living according to his culture and his values and not the culture and the values of our world. They say this over and over again. Not just Paul. I mean, Jesus taught it. And all of his apostles, who we have letters from, they all reiterate the same thing. You've died to that way of life. Live to a new way of life. But Paul gets more specific and first he addresses the idols in his day some of it he says put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality impurity lust evil desires and greed which amounts to idolatry and he goes into this list of the things in the culture that that, uh, threatened to I mean keep in mind he's not writing this letter to the culture He's writing this letter to the church. And he's writing this letter to a church not so different from ours, surrounded by a culture that separates the spiritual from everything else, from the physical. And this had crept into their church and they were dealing with things where they believed, you know, yes, Jesus has authority in spiritual matters, but not in physical matters. We can indulge ourselves physically in any way that we want, but in spiritual matters Christ is the head or a head <laughs> they had they had kind of demoted Christ in many ways and so Paul writes in this letter so don't let the culture influence you that way Christ is supreme Christ is over all you've died to everything else and you're alive in him don't let the idols of the of the culture around you creep into your church don't think that you know you can segment your lives we do this in America all the time we compartmentalize our lives you know we say Well, you know, this is my Jesus box right here. You know, Sunday morning. You know, if I've got a really big Jesus box, it might even include Wednesday night. It might even include like a devotion time once a day or something like that. That's my Jesus box. And then here's my work box. And here's my family box. You know, here's my hunting box. You know, with my hunting buddies. And and we've got our different boxes and we like Jesus to stay in his box. And they had the same problem in their culture. And they had... Idolatry, literal idolatry in their day and time, but Paul here addresses the heart of idolatry. That it's not just about that image that they would craft and worship in that day, it's about the things that go with it. It's about a heart condition and a heart matter. So, can we just pause for a second and, and just take inventory of our culture's idols? What are the American idols? I mean, probably we'd be here too long if we tried to enumerate them all, because you know every American has a different, you know, uh, different one that they engage with, but and that they worship. But there are certainly some big cross sections that we can address here and just point out, and some of them are the same as in Paul's culture. You know, humans, <laughs> we're a lot of times very much the same. We deal with a lot of the same stuff from century to century, millennium to millennium. But boy, if Paul thought that sexual immorality was bad in his day, and I'm sure it was, I think it would still be eye-opening to see when you've added that to technology and mass marketing and all the things that we have in our day, just how different, how far we've taken it. I mean, you don't have to go to a place you're not supposed to go. You don't have to turn to a channel you're not supposed to turn to. You don't have to watch a movie you shouldn't watch to be bombarded with sexual immorality in our culture. It's on the billboards. It's in the advertisements. It's in the magazines. It's everywhere that you turn. And it's certainly online. It's in your email inbox. It's on social media. It's on Instagram. (laughs) It's in our schools at a younger and younger age. When I taught middle school, and that's been a while now, it, had def- it was crazy in middle school. I mean, they sat down, when I first started teaching, and I wasn't even married yet, I hadn't even met Julie yet, I first started teaching, they sat those kids down for uh, sex education, basically, one day, and taught me things <laughs> that I didn't know. And they're talking to 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. But those kids were already doing stuff, you know? They were already involved with that. And we live in a culture that that celebrates sex, even outside of the bounds that God intended it to be. We live in a culture that, you know, marriage still is seen as a good thing by most, but it's this, you know, it's this commitment thing, and, and a commitment is not required for a sexual relationship in our culture anymore. All that's required is that you want one. And so we have rights to one. It's become one of the core rights of American society, hasn't it? That you pursue your sexual desires the way you want to and it's no one else's business the way you do it. Or how. Whether it's, you know, that's all your business. You have a right to it. And, uh, And so our culture not only says you have a right to it, but they celebrate. They celebrate a diversity in this area. And we look at things like marriage and our young generations are saying increasingly well hey, I don't want to you know, commit to something that I haven't you know, tried first and so you know, they're dating someone it's getting serious, well let's move in together and see if this thing can work before we, you know, get official here. before In the world's wisdom, this makes a lot of sense because why would you make this huge commitment to someone and you don't even know if you can live together? I mean, maybe she's real cluttery or you know, maybe he's a jerk when he you know, hasn't had a coffee in the morning. I don't know. And so let's live together for a little while and let's find out whether this is going to work. And it makes sense in the world's wisdom and in God's wisdom he says no. And researchers find out that if you do that, On the contrary, your odds of ever having a satisfactory marriage relationship go down, not up. In any marriage relationship, period. And so we find out, imagine that God's ways are actually the best ways. That's what we believe. That it's not just something that he did just to make us miserable for a few years of our life until we can get married. But it's actually what's best for us. But we see in our culture, I mean, just the epidemic of sex trafficking and all, I mean, the pornography that's running rampant and, and that feeds that sex trafficking industry in so many ways and is fed by it. We see it in the way that we dress in the things that we do and the behavior that we engage in that clearly sexual immorality is still an issue here 2,000 years later in our culture. Greed of all kinds is an issue and an idol in our culture, right? I mean they're constantly telling us what more we need, what more we need, what you deserve is what the, that's my favorite one. That's my favorite one when I watch advertisements install you know stuff. Get the you know, get the countertops you deserve, get the house you deserve, get the car you deserve, get the cell phone you deserve. Well, how did we come to deserve all this stuff, you know? Just by showing up. I deserve it. Give it to me. And, uh, and we want it more and more. We want it better and better. We want the vacations that we deserve. And we want the, uh, you know, the, we want the fitness level and the wellness that we deserve. We want the recreation that we deserve. We want the, you know, the hunting fishing cabin we deserve. We want the shopping excursion that we deserve. And it goes on and on and it never ends because greed is one of those idols that never satisfies. It just promises to and yes, celebrities, who we call idols, for many people, they become idols. They represent something that we want, you know, whether it's the beauty or the power that they hold, or the fame that seems so attractive to us. Relationships, you know, apart from sexual immorality, relationships, you know, we tell our kids from a younger and younger age, or they're told, whether you tell them or not, that they're nobody unless they have somebody that they're in a relationship with. And, and many of us, in, throughout our lives, we feel that way. Relationships can become an idol. Even relationships with your kids or your grandkids. We can set them up on a pedestal that they can't handle and it's not healthy for them because none of us are designed, just as celebrities are not designed to be idols, we're not designed to be worshipped, and when we are, it causes all kinds of trouble. When we set people, humans, up on a pedestal, you know, just look at the celebrities and how many of them, their lives just crumble. Because we're not designed to be worshiped. We're not designed to come out on a stage and have everyone weeping and fainting and you know, cheering, and, and it, that messes you up inside eventually. And so it is when we put our kids and our grandkids up on a pedestal that you know, they can't fulfill everything you're wanting them to fulfill. And it puts an unrealistic expectation on their life. And so all these things, none of, none of these things in and of themselves are bad. That's the nature of an idol. But it's just what we do with them that makes the difference. And it's easy to look out at culture and to identify the things, you know, just take a, a list of cable stations, and that'll tell you a lot of the idols in our culture. You know, all the food stations, right? All the all the vacation state, all the travel stations, all the, uh, you know, all the the money kind of, you know, finance stations. Get, you know, we there's a whole. You can just look at it and say, okay, look at all the sports stations. Okay, clearly, you know, that's an idol for some people. You know, look at Pinterest, and you can see some idols. You know, there's, it's, there's easy ways to look around and point the finger at culture. It's harder to take a look inside our own hearts and say, what am I most susceptible to? Which of these you know, weeds from the surrounding culture are finding their way into my yard? And so what I want to do is actually look at a series of quotes from a book called Counterfeit Gods that deals with this very topic. It's by Timothy Keller If you're interested in this at the end of the day uh, and reading some more about this topic, uh, wow, what a great author and a great book. And it's readable. It's not too long. And so Counterfeit Gods by Timothy Keller. And what we're going to do, you know, I don't usually do a lot of quotes like this, but I felt like each of these quotes were so helpful in, in taking inventory in our lives. You know, what are the things... That I struggle with? What are the things that I deal with? What are the things that I need to be aware of? And so we're going to just take one at a time. And as we read them, I just want you to do some thinking on the inside. Not about your neighbor, not about your cousin, not about your, you know, just you and God. Take inventory. What is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Let's get more specific as we think through this. A counterfeit God, an idol, is anything so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. An idol has such a controlling position in your heart that you can spend most of your passion and energy, your emotional and financial resources on it without a second thought. What are the things that we're so quick t- to use our resources for? When an idol gets a grip on your heart, it spins out a whole set of false definitions of success and failure, and happiness and sadness. It redefines reality in terms of itself. That's what we were talking about earlier about how you know, it says well, this is what it takes to be happy and to have success. And it sets up its own standard that's different from God's standard. And when we start living our lives according to that standard, that's when we know we've got a problem there. But it's not enough, just as we know with weeds, it's not enough to pull the weeds. If you just pull weeds, you're going to just keep pulling weeds. It doesn't solve the problem. Pull weeds your whole life long. They just come back in the same spot. New weed. And the same thing with idols in our culture. Paul said, put them to death. But that's not all he said. Because it's not enough just to kill the thing. (laughs) Something new will take its place. Unless you replace it. Timothy Keller says it this way. So our last quote from him. He says, Idols cannot simply be removed. They must be replaced. If you only try to uproot them, they grow back. But they can be supplanted. So what we're suggesting today as we look at the last part of the scripture is that we want to substitute Christ's love for America's idols. And we're going to look at some practical ways that we do that. Paul's going to share those with us. But we're trying to substitute Christ's love for America's idols. We're not just trying to take America's idols out. We're trying to replace them with something. Just like you'd substitute maybe a healthy ingredient for an unhealthy ingredient in a recipe that you have. That's the kind of thing that we're trying to do here with American idols. And So, we, we substitute Christ's love. As Paul says, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's what Christ's love does. And that's what we want to plant in our hearts in place of the idols that our culture says that we need and says are so attractive. But Paul gives us some specific pointers, I think at least four, in the next section of Scripture, in the last bit that we read earlier. Specific things that really did my work for me. I was kind of like, thanks Paul. (laughs) Sometimes I have to come up with application stuff, and this time he just laid it out for me, and we're going to look at a few of them. Let's read this, uh, verse 16 and 17, and then we'll talk about four things in it. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. First thing, and for some reason it didn't get highlighted up there, but let the word of Christ dwell among you richly. God's Word. You want something practical to do to help you substitute Christ's love for America's idols, stay in God's Word. Because there's nothing like God's Word to help you differentiate between what is an idol of our culture and what is of Christ, like God's Word can. When we're in God's Word, when it's dwelling richly in us, it gives us a lens through which we can see clearly that's not of Christ. This is of Christ. That response would not be of Christ. This response would be. It wouldn't be a good thing for me to pursue that. It would be a good thing for me to pursue this. It's God's word and staying and letting that dwell in our hearts that gives us the eyes to see what we need to see. Secondly, teach and admonish one another, he said. It's like Holding each other accountable. accountable, You know, having accountability within the church, within the body of Christ. This is something I feel like we do poorly at in the church today. Because we don't like, we'd rather put on a good face and, and pretend that we've got it all together when we come together. Than hold each other accountable. That's uncomfortable. People's feelings might get hurt, you know, uh, or you might feel awkward when someone starts talking about their problems. And I'm not suggesting that we have to start having a time in our service where everyone comes down and shares what all they messed up on, all right, Or else our attendance might drop pretty fast and just be like two of us talking about our problems. But, but I'm suggesting that you find someone or some ones that are Christians that are running this race with you who you can trust and even invite to hold you accountable to the things of God we can't expect you know without support without a support network we can't expect to live God's way and not the culture's way when the culture is all around us we have to have I mean this is one of the biggest problems that new believers face when you're new in your faith if you don't get a new set of friends that are pursuing the kind of life in Christ that you're trying to pursue then it's going to be an uphill battle. There's no other way to put it. I've seen too many people who, I mean, to take extreme examples, people who, you know, they, they come to Christ out of addiction and everything. They put that away behind them. They're living a clean life. They put whatever substance abuse and stuff behind them. And, and they, and, and, but unless they put that network, a new network of friends around them, they don't have a prayer and as soon as someone from their old life moves back into their life and they let them back in their life, it's a quick slope back down into the same thing that they were dealing with. That's why Christian community, is, this life was never meant to be a personal, individual, private thing. But something to be lived out in community because we need one another. And so Paul instructs us, have people that you can teach and admonish and that teach and admonish you in your life. This one maybe seems funny but songs sing even if you don't like singing I bet that you're all right with it like in the shower or somewhere right sing <laughs> you know sing in your car get songs that are that are biblically rooted with God's truth stuck in your head keep them stuck in your head listen to them sing them when you're you know if you if you're too embarrassed to sing them around other people Sing them at the top of your lungs as you drive down the road with the windows down or something, right, Get them stuck in your head, let those I mean that's one thing that helps God's word dwell richly in us And lastly He says Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ What are you living your life for? Who are you living your life for? You ever like bought an album and you look in the album and they say this album is dedicated to my mom <laughs> or whoever it is uh, or or maybe you know like we read lots of children's books with Hadley and we're trying to convince Peter that books are cool but he's not sure yet but uh, but he you know we open it up we always get to the last page or on the first page and it says you know this is dedicated to my kids or to Dan, whoever Dan is, or you know, you, there's all these dedications, works of art, music, literature, the artists dedicate it to someone, and so Paul calls us to do the same thing with our life. Make your life like a, a symphony that's every part is dedicated to Christ, our Lord and our King. Do it all, whatever you do. He doesn't have compartments. He gets the whole thing. Whatever you do, wherever you're at, whether you're at church or you're at school or you're in your car or you're wherever, hanging out with whatever group of friends you're hanging out with, do everything you're doing in the name of Christ as though your whole life is dedicated to Him. Don't just destroy or kill the idols that threaten to creep in from our culture. Replace them. With Christ's love. Which of those things, those four things, God's word, you know, uh, accountability, singing, dedicating your life. What, which of those four things do you think would most help you this week if you focused on it and did that? Is it God's word? Do you need to get in God's word more this week? Do you need to find a song and get it stuck in your head this week? What is it you need to do to make progress so you don't get stuck in the same cycle in the same cycle with these idols that keep creeping into our lives and keep promising a peace and a joy that they simply can't deliver on and they never do? Let's not be foolish by thinking that someday they will. There's only one was ever delivered on the kind of peace and joy that he promised. And that is Jesus Christ. So what would happen if we each of us actually started living what we say we believe is best? It's easy to talk about God's ways. It's harder sometimes to actually do the work of replacing the culture's ways with his ways. But what would it look like if you actually did? What would it look like if we all in this room actually did? Doubtless we'd have people, peers, colleagues, neighbors, friends at school that would not be very impressed. criticize us, make fun of us. Maybe worse. But doubtless... There'd be a few, maybe they wouldn't even speak out, I don't know, who would look at our lives and wonder how there's so much peace and joy there. It always seems to elude them. They may be tempted to think that it's because you've found some idol that (laughs) works for you. That you've, you know, oh, well, they're so pretty, that, that must be what it is. Or they have it all, that must be what it is. They've got everything that I want, but if you'll let them know, you will tell them, no. None of those things ever delivered for me the way Jesus did. Who knows, maybe we'll win some for the kingdom. But we've got to start living what we say we believe. We've got to substitute Christ's love for America's idols. That's my challenge to you this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for setting us free we admit, we confess that the idols of our culture they seem so attractive to us sometimes our enemy definitely knows what he's doing our culture knows what they're doing so Holy Spirit we ask that you protect our hearts even as you help us put our idols to death, and claim a new way of living in you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.